Welcome to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Your fish and marillion podcast. Where we talk about all things in the planet of marillion and fish. I'm Meza, and here's my mate, Craig Houston. Everybody, and welcome to Planet Marzipan with me, Meza, and me, Craig, and a special guest. This week, we're very honoured to have well, we are honoured to have Lucy Jordash with us with the fit of the giggles. <laughs> Marillion's manager since 2002? 2000. Sorry, 2000. March 27th. 2000. Wow. It's it not possible you will be 12 then. That's too long, isn't it? No, no, it's I, not. I shall leave and go and do something more productive. No, please stay. You're doing a grand job. Thank you. So, yeah, Lucy's kindly agreed to join us and said we can ask her anything at all. So who knows what might, <laughs> what information we might get out of her in the next hour or so. Um, but we'll start with... We ask all our guests how and where you first heard about the band. Ah, that's easy. I lived in St Albans. My brother loved all things heavy metal, Black Sabbath, Motorhead, blah, blah, blah. And there was a shop in in St Albans called The Quadrant and, and they used to sell glorious records. And I used to go in and buy picture discs of bands that I didn't know who they were. And I went and bought um, a picture disc because it was pretty <laughs> of Market Square Heroes. And I, I took it home and I didn't really like it, but it really annoyed my brother. So I, <laughs> so I kept playing it really loudly to annoy him. And then I decided that I really liked it and um, then kept buying Marillion records from then on at, firstly to annoy my brother and then um and then I actually liked them and yeah and then I was a, a fan ever ever since then and when did you first see the band live I think it was like 83 or something when I that's my dogs barking if you can hear them sorry um I think it was 83 um because I was uh, I was too young to go to any gigs before that and my brother wouldn't go with me because he hated them and uh, I think in 83, I persuaded uh, my mum and dad to, to let me go to to London. And I saw them there. What at, Ham- at, at Hammersmith? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think, it, I, think it, I went with my friend from school who didn't like them at all, but did anything for an excuse to get out of the house. And uh, my dad picked us up after the gig. <laughs> and wow. from then on I, I used to see them I used to see them a lot, especially when I was a grown up and was allowed out the house on my own. <laughs> you know, it's very similar to Mr. Kennedy's introduction to the band. He heard script and hated it. So you've got that in common. And listened to annoy his, my brother, did he? 
(laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though, because obviously all these years later, I've ended up managing the band and married to the drummer. So family Christmases, you know, my brother has to pretend he likes the band. (laughs) (laughs) It's one up from the picture that's going to collect the drummer. That's that's Collect the drummer, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to win. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Um, We wanted to ask you a little bit about An Hour Before It's Dark and the campaign, how you think, how do you feel now you're the sort of other side of the campaign? And we've had the album settled in for quite a while. What's the overall feeling about how everything went? Am I allowed to swear, by the way? Oh, God. Oh, just checking. Um, absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I'm really happy um, with how the album was received by the fans. I think in general it went down really, really well. Um, and the band you know what gosh what we 18 months later and the band still love it which you know doesn't happen with their albums normally they get sort of bored of them quite quickly and they still love it um I think you know personally I think Care is the most perfect song they've ever done lyrically musically everything um the record company really loved the album and, and did some great marketing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I think, you know, it's a shame there's only six songs on it because otherwise we could be releasing sing- and it's a shame that the, the songs are so long because we could be releasing singles still. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To, to keep, to keep it sort of going. Um, but we can't do that because they're all, very long. Yeah. Well, I was gonna actually. I was gonna ask you this a bit later on, but have you ever discussed with the band doing a sort of Peter Gabriel approach of sort of putting a track out every month? Or they won't do it. They won't. They won't do it. We've 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 had. Oh, I came up with an amazing plan and campaign and marketing idea for an EP sort of release. You know, staggered across the. They won't do it. They want the whole thing heard or nothing. Which is fine. Yeah, it's fine, but it's it's why the album, you know, what why it takes so long for you guys to hear new music, Um, because they want the whole thing, the whole thing at at the same time, and it's just like, oh, anyway. I can see both sides. I mean, the Gabriel thing, it's lasted all year, and he's only just announced it's coming out on the first of December, so it's it's kind of maintained interest and a lot of traffic has it though because i read divided fans a bit i was going to say i read a couple of things on facebook from people that said that uh, have said oh i've heard so much of it now i'm not it's i've lost the excitement for the actual album Hmm. or was that steve wilson they were talking about it was one of the two steve wilson put a track out every on the four weeks running up to the album release Right, okay. It was probably Peter Gabriel then. Yeah, yeah, okay. What about the conventions then? So we we, we had a full year of conventions this last year. Sorry, this year. Yeah, this year. Yeah, forgetting where I am in the year. This year and last year, because of COVID, we, everything went back, didn't it? So we had to yeah. do them last year and this year. Yeah, no, that was, gosh, it was only this year. It was, yeah. it was like, just like last year. Yeah, no. Well, I'm already planning the the ones for twenty 
25, trying to um, organise a couple of new places to go to, yeah. trying to overcome a problem I've got with one of them that I can't tell you about, but hopefully right. I've found a solution and blah, 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 just general headaches and stuff. <laughs> but um, I love the conventions. They're hard work, but also really good fun. Can you enjoy them? Yeah. Yeah. Now that everyone has their job, you know, Stephanie has her job, Mark has his job, Rich has his job, I have my job. And the crew are just like a fine oiled machine. And if everyone's working at their full capacity and doing what they're supposed to do, then I can just relax because they're going to work. And I really enjoy these this year's ones because for the first time probably in 21 years the band I think were the best rehearsed they've ever been you've heard H say that on his podcast yeah yeah. absolutely true um you know so it wasn't like they walked on stage and I was standing there going oh oh no oh oh missus you know none of that it was it I felt relaxed with the musicality uh, I felt relaxed that the fans were having a great time. I felt relaxed that we'd done the right amount of preparation so that, you know, everything worked as it should. Um, did you just, I think you're just fine-tuning now, aren't you? Just things like the PZ tent being a different shape. Yeah. You're fine-tuning now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was obviously all on drawings and stuff. I'd said, can we make it wider instead of longer? Because I felt it might feel nicer. And when I walked in the tent and actually felt it for real, I was like, oh, thank goodness it worked. Because you just see those things on paper and you you don't know whether they're going to work or not. I don't have a great imagination when I'm just looking at a, you know, a drawing. It definitely worked. The wider stage meant there were more fans near the front. It gave the band space to spread out, and it 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 made the whole thing. Although it's a big gig, it made it feel more intimate. More intimate, yeah, yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, because there was it was uh, there was less talking. You know, sometimes at PZ because people have had a few too many beers, they stand at the back and talk and stuff. It it felt. Uh, there was less talking because maybe everyone was more cosy with each other without being squashed, obviously. I mean, doing the Thursday night uh, check-ins now makes the Friday night a much better gig because you yes. don't have as many people you know, talking all the way through, Which, but it's the way that that's organised now is brilliant. Well, that's precisely why we did it, um, get people in there so that everyone would go, oh, my God, I haven't seen you for two years. How are you? Hug, 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 talk, talk, talk. And, you know, a lot of people were, you know, getting there with like half an hour before the gig was going to start and they still had to check in. And so people were just really hyper and and you could always feel that on the Friday night. So I'm glad you think it worked because I I definitely think it worked. Well, it does because you're meeting friends you've only you don't see until the next PZ. So you get a, a full night of seeing your friends chatting and then you can focus on the gig on the Friday. Well, we're considering going one step further next year because the band, as you know, all the other Marillion weekends are two days apart from Montreal, which is three. 
but the band just said they they just can't do three nights in a row anymore. So we might extend um, Holland to to be the player gig, let's say, on the Thursday night, they have Friday off and then they play Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Or so the fans can arrive on the Wednesday. You know, we, we, we're still, that's part of my thing that I'm still working out with the, with the thing. But, um, I think that would be pretty cool because if we had the tent, well, we would have the tent. It means on the night off, a night off for the band but we could have the tent just full of support acts yeah Yeah, on on that night and people can either go into the big tent and watch them all or they can sit in their chalets and drink or whatever so that could be a, a, a different side to it as well yes I know it means people taking an extra day off work or whatever but I think a lot of people travel a long way for Port Zealand so give them an extra one and it um don't know we're working it out yeah there's okay. a bit of an exclusive for you is the plan <laughs> for it still to be in 26 no 25 oh so you do them all in this because uh, I, I, I thought i read at some point that you were going to do pz last in the following year no uh that was an idea i was th- uh, uh, it, it's about the availability of the park and it right my it was then it's not anymore but I was throwing out an idea to see if we did the norm all the other conventions in 25 and then did Port Zealand at the end if you see what I mean in 26 but that's that's not relevant anymore but yeah that was a a thought process I, I you know we like to change things up and obviously I have to work with what with what I'm given so things move around all the time yeah and you've got a new role at the conventions now, haven't you, as a compare, regular compare? <laughs> An my, evening with. My audience with. Yeah. I, I enjoy them, and I hope the the fans do. Um, it was It's hard work. I don't know if we'll do them again next time. We might do a couple, but I might not do them in every country. It, it depends. But um, instead of the fans just having, you know, support acts and then Marillion, it's kind of like it makes it more of a Marillion weekend for the people that have only got two nights, for example, because, you know, like in Leicester, you see a support great support act on the first night and on the second night you get to meet and interact and chat with the band kind of thing and I get to I get to surprise fans i, I think get... that's the bit you like the most isn't it the surprises yeah i love well the band never obviously never know what i'm gonna do so i love surprising them um some of the things i surprise them with work some of them don't um but you don't know until well you don't know until you're on the stage no, really no. um but I, yeah i love surprising the fans so much yeah but it was it was hard work last year trying to think of six was it six million weekends we did and so I had to yes, think of six yeah. different audience widths you know in in Germany we were speaking German and you know, <laughs> trying to make things oh it was guess the places in Germany I think we played um just to get some interaction with the audience and 
and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I do enjoy that bit. So we, we may continue with them. We may not. Don't know yet. I think it's great. And you can usually tell when you're up to something because you have a, a devilish mischievous face yeah. when you're talking to him. Yeah. You know, as you know that. me. <laughs> oh, I think the fans can spot it. It's great. Um, there was a proposal at PZ, wasn't there, again this year? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mark and Vladdy. Yeah, no, I loved being part of that. Um, and I loved at PZ this year because it was the 21st anniversary. I loved getting all the other artists and musicians to film stuff to surprise the band with. Yeah. You know, Ian said to me, he said, how did you keep that all secret? And I said, well, like Steve Wilson for example, sent me his and I was watching it on my computer and Ian actually walked in the office and I was just like, you know, oh, lent over, press the <laughs> escape button, nothing. <laughs> we were actually talking about getting um, all of uh, our chalet together from uh, Pontins, all the original Cakey Boys, to actually do a podcast to reminisce about uh, about the first convention. So, we'll Oh, probably... my God, yes. Um, that, that was very different, the first one, wasn't it? It was. Plastic sheets. Well, the bed, the double bed sort of dipped in the middle. It was two pushed together and you kind of rolled into the middle of the bed. I don't remember a lot about it, but I know it was cheap. It was all cheap and nasty, but we were working with an idea, you know, that's just grown and grown. Um, And I'm grateful to everyone who came to it, you know, because uh, as famously noted elsewhere none of the band thought it would work and then it did and I went ha 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 did that did that come through was it Andy Rotherham that kind of brought the idea from the Stranglers is that right the uh, how it actually happened was I'd been I don't know if I if maybe you guys were there but I'd been uh, I'd noticed that a lot of the fans were meeting up voluntarily that they'd got chatting to on the internet or whatever and um I'd been um, been up to Cambridge and met up with a bunch of guys who called themselves the Cambridge freaks and stuff and I'd said to the band I said there's this whole world happening outside of gigs that we know nothing about and I would like to, I would need to think of a way of getting everyone together in kind and then Andy Rotherham said to me he said the Stranglers have been doing this sort of fan convention thing at Pontins. So I said to him, would you go? We'll pay all your expenses. Would you go and tell us what it's like? That's a good deal for Andy. He's a huge fan, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So we contacted um, the Stranglers manager and sort of said to him, and he got Andy to go down. And, And Andy had a great weekend and he came back and told us how the Stranglers did it and put, and so I contacted the Stranglers manager and I said, look, we'd like to do what you did, but in our own way. We don't want to do a straight copy. We want to. And we said, because you've got the connections at Pontins and we've never done this before, would you run it and we'll pay you a fee? And he did. And then obviously it worked really well and, and we were like, oh, we're not going back to Pontins, we'll do Butlins and we did it ourselves from, from then on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, was, it wasn't my idea to do a convention. It was my idea to get people together and then Andy triggered the... So, so that's, you know, credit where it's due. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, it's great. And it's worked out well, hasn't it? What, I think financially, obviously, for the band, it's worked out brilliantly. But I also think, oh, this is going to sound so hippie, but spiritually for the fans and the band, I've seen so many friendships. Yeah, yeah. You think about, you know, yes, you knew the rest of the Cakey Boys before you came to Pontins, but think how many friends you've made. Oh, loads. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, and it is really corny, but there's friend, there's lifelong friendships. I mean, you know, I met Mark Kennedy. You yeah. know, I met Mark through Marillion, and Mark now works for us. And you know, I met my best friend George through Marillion. Um, met my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always forget him. <laughs> but it, it it's um. It, you know, I see people tritely say, oh, you know, for me, it's all about meeting with my friend and the music's just a lovely addition. And that, I know they don't mean it. Um, and I wish they wouldn't actually say it like that, but it, but it is kind of true. If you see what I mean, it, it's like yeah. the music is not, is just as important, but you, you get to see all and have a really good time. Yeah. And, we're all in our little bubble and we forget that Israel and Gaza are fighting and we forget that bombs are raining down and we forget that people are starving and people can't pay their, their electricity bills just for an hour, you know? And yeah. then, then you don't because you're a human being and you can't forget all the crap. And H usually is singing about all the crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you go, oh, damn it. But do you know what I mean? I I, I love. I absolutely know what you mean. It's hard to describe to people who aren't fans. It does sound like you say a bit hippy trippy, but there is a real camaraderie in the in the fan base. There's a huge group of people. I mean, we plan to get strangers. Sorry. Complete. Don't you find yourself on on the Facebook groups? You'll see a complete stranger is like in hospital or something, and you'll feel. That you need to write something. Yeah, yeah to, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. I'm sorry if that's hippie, but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wouldn't have met you guys if it hadn't been for Marillion. <laughs> Every cloud and all that. <laughs> yeah. they, they made my wedding cake. No, we, we did, yes. That's going back a few years. Did but you I mean, come on, we, we, H with a cake as well. Oh yeah, we did a we did his cake for his five hundredth gig back in two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Well done. So this is cool. anyway. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. Well, he, uh, uh, while we're talking about your presenting skills, you're <laughs> obviously a star of YouTube and TV now with Marillion yeah. Monthly. Well, that was accidental. <laughs> so let's rewind. <laughs> I wanted to have more attention to the YouTube channel because we'd been ignoring it, really. And I came up with this mental idea that we called the 365 Club. And we were going to – I spoke to Tim about it and Mark Kennedy. The three of us were very involved. And and then Rich and Stephanie, I think. Anyway, we were going to film something and put it on YouTube every single day. Oh dear. Wow. We had a plan, we had a spreadsheet, it was magnificent. 
And this was in December last year. And then I, I over the weekend, we, we'd, we'd been planning it for like weeks. And then over a weekend, I sat there, and I had a really bad dream that it just wasn't going to happen. And I rang Tim and I said, Oh, and we'd got the band down. Sorry, in the meantime, we'd got the band down to the studio and we'd spent a whole day filming loads of little bits. Yeah. We got back and I put it in the spreadsheet and I was like, we're only up to March. We've only got content till the end of March. Crap on a bike. <laughs> so I, I, I thought about it over the weekend and I rang Tim and I went, do you know what? I'm putting my hands up. We can't do it. And Tim went, oh, thank God. You're right. We can't. Um, and then I, I went and saw the band and I went, look, I'm really sorry. It wasn't a waste of your time, but I'm a great believer in if, if you can't do something, stick your hands up and go, I can't do this. Yeah. Don't give me bullshit excuses. Just put, I own it. So I owned it and said, we're not going to be able to make it happen, but. Tim suggested that we did a, a TV program once a month and we could do little other bits, which we've done, but do a, a, an, you know, half an hour to an hour TV program once a month that was quality. And I said, yeah, all right, let's do that. And he said, well, you present the first one and then we'll see about what we do if we get someone else or da, da, da. And I really didn't want to do it. And the first one with Mark, you can see... When I'm to- I'm terrified when I'm talking to the camera. I'm kind of like, "Hello and welcome to Marillion Monthly." Um, and then I got the hang of it, and then I'm I'm more relaxed. And um, yeah, we've got some we've got some really good ones planned and coming up. Um, but even producing one TV show a month is hard enough. So thank God we didn't do the 365 Club. We had a logo and everything. It was going to be immense. <laughs> <laughs> Every single day we were going to post something. What were we thinking? <laughs> Eternal Great idea. A lot of work, though, yeah. Christ, no, it wasn't ever going to work. So, so yeah, so I'm a, I'm a TV presenter as well now. Um, yeah whatever it's funny though interviewing the band or or whoever I interview because I'll ask them a question and they'll go but you know the answer to this and I just look at Tim and I just go Tim cut that bit out I go of course I know the fucking answer to this just pretend that I'm just interviewing you and I don't know (laughs) because every time they go well, you know the answer to that because you did it or you organised it. Or <laughs> Yeah, the people on the other side of the screen don't know. Oh, <laughs> I think you should release the bloopers as well. Well, he's he's put, at the end of each episode, he puts a tiny blooper, yeah. but I think he's got a plan to compile them all and torture me with it at some point. How much involvement do you do you and the band have with the space that Tim runs now? Tim just does it. I mean, he he obviously asks, he obviously tells me what he wants to do. But yeah, Tim, that's Tim's Tim's baby. I think he's curating it really well, actually. And we've got some plans for that next year as well, because next year the band are going to be in the studio all year. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of 
filling it, filling time and keeping people interested. So Tim's got a lot of ideas to put on the space and we've got ideas for YouTube and stuff. So we'll be busy. Well, he's start, I, mean, I can see the exclusive content is starting to build on there as well, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's got a lot of ideas. It's It's trying to find a happy balance between putting stuff on the space for people that pay, but also putting stuff on YouTube for people that don't want to pay, can't afford to pay, yeah. whatever, because you have to have all the channels, you know, so it's quite difficult balancing everything, but we try. I think you're doing a great job. And, it, and it, again, it just creates traffic on social media and comments on social media, which is what you're looking for, isn't it? Yeah, we could do better. Um, but it is just me that runs all the social media accounts. So I, you know, and I don't get as, I don't get the content from the band that I would like. So there's only so much that I can do, but I try. I know I can do better. And every so often I do really well for, every so often I do really well for a couple of weeks. And, um, after so, that I fail. Or something gets in the way and the wheels fall off. I've got, I've got two questions for you, or a two-pronged question. Without naming any names. Oh, why not? Well, because yeah, you haven't heard the question yet. <laughs> yes. What's the worst thing a member of the band has ever done? No names. What, to me or in general? That you've seen or to you or, yeah. I, I, I can't think of anything. Honestly. Or something, that, or something that's made you laugh like a drain. Oh, that happens a lot. <laughs> that happens a lot, but that's just general stupidity. Um, oh God, uh, I don't. Oh, I don't know. Come back to it. Well, I'm going to ask you the same question again, without naming any names. But what's the worst thing that a fan has ever done? Well, <laughs> I've got too many of them. <laughs> well, I thought you might have, yeah. It's your chance to get it off your chest, and you don't have to name any names. <laughs> um, well, no, no, that no, no. Honestly, I can't think of specific. the The way my brain works, right, is if I don't need something anymore, I forget it. Right. So bad thing. Honestly, you talk to George. George, my best friend, who runs the merchandise desk when we're at Port Zealand. You'll all know her. We know if, lovely George. Yes. You know lovely George. George has to remind me of things because she remembers everything on my behalf because the way I work is something bad happens, I deal with it, and then I take it out of my brain because I need room in my brain for other things. And so when when there are bad... If you if she was sitting next to me now, she'd prompt me and go, what about that time that Rothers did that? Or what about this time that, you know, H yeah. did that? Or... Oh, do you remember that fan who did that? In fact, you should get George on. Well, we are, <laughs> yes. we are going to ask George. And we already the have. It's already already yeah. organised. George yeah. is already on board. <laughs> we'll make a note and say, Lucy said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, honest, sense, that's really going to sound like a cop-out, but you might say something in a minute that will remind me of something, but I tend to just sweep it all away because... Life's too short. Yeah, it's a really sensible approach. I wish I could do it more, but yeah, it sounds. It, like... it is. We we can we can all have we can all have an argument now about an hour before it starts because the three of us here, we all have different favorite songs because yeah. Lucy's is care, 
John's, yours is Crow and the Nightingale, and mine's Sierra Leone. So, yeah. Well, you're obviously wrong because it's obviously care. Oh, if Harry Hill was here now. <laughs> but, you know, it was very, I had a very strange, surreal moment with my boss in the car. We went to a meeting on Thursday last week, and she said, You keep going on about Marillion, so play me some Marillion. So, of course, I played a Kaylee and Lavender, and then I said, I'm going to play something from the new album, and I played The Crow and the Nightingale, and I teared up in the car because of Brother <laughs> Solo again. It should come with a health warning. Oh, well, Care, remember the first time I heard it was October, September 20, whatever, 21. Yeah. Whatever it was. And so I, I'd been listening to it for months before you guys heard it. And every single time it made me cry. Every bloody time. And then the first time I heard it live, I cried. And then I pulled myself together and I was fine. Absolutely fine with it. I was like, yay, it's just a brilliant song. I'm not crying. And then the last Marillion weekend, it was Berlin, wasn't it? And I was really tired. And tiredness and care don't go. And I was sobbing at the side of the stage. And I was like, oh, pull yourself together, woman. Caught you off guard. Caught me off guard. I was like, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Did you actually have a favourite gig on the the convention circuit this year? So between there, you know, England and Holland and Italy, Canada and Germany and everywhere. Yeah, um, I think Leicester, the night with the flags, the, yeah. the night with the Ukraine flags, which was what, the Saturday night, was it? I think so, yeah. Sunday yeah. night, Sun- the Sunday night. Leicester was Saturday and Sunday, I think. Yeah, it was Saturday and Sunday. Like holiday. The yeah. Sunday night with the Ukraine flags, um, because there was just such a, oh, I'm such a hippie again. There was such a beautiful feeling in that room for every single song and everyone was just on top form and then they brought out the Ukraine flags and I'd gone downstairs and was standing in the audience and whoever I was standing next to I didn't know them and they saw I had no flags in my hand and just gave me the flags and obviously I knew when to lift them up and we lifted them up and I just went like crying again look and I was just literally it was just like it was just that feeling again that I was saying of you forget about the world and then everyone hands out the hands holds up the Ukraine flags and I was just like, why can't the whole world be like this? Why can't the whole world care and stop fighting and stop I just I don't get it. I think it's because I've never I'm not proud oh God. I'm not proud to be British. I've never been proud to be British. I'm not proud of where I live. I'm not religious. So I think I've never cared enough about something to fight about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'd fight for my family and I'd fight for my dogs, you know, but I never cared enough to fight. So I war, I just, I don't, I don't get any of it. I, I can't even, my brain just I can't compute why anyone would fight anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can understand that absolutely. Totally agree with you. Okay. 
Anyway, carry on. Change subject. Ask oh, me I, I can change the subject, but it's another contentious question. What, sex and drugs and rock and roll? No, no, no. Our super tramp prog. Oh, <laughs> you. <laughs> can I tell the story? Yes, you can, yes. So we were at the festival, Acoustic Festival of Britain in, what, 2002 or something? Something like that, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, oh, was was Roger Hudson from Supertramp playing? Um, I no, think he was. No. Was he? I don't know, but Marillion were playing and, I, and, and, and everyone was sitting around the table and I was sitting with you all and we were having a conversation and you said, Supertramp are prog. And I said, no, they're not. You said, yes, they are. So I wrestled you to the floor. You did. <laughs> and all these fans were looking around going, what is going on? Marillion's manager has pinned a yep, front yep. man to the ground shouting super Trump and not prog. <laughs> I think there was some footage of it at one point. Actually, I'm sure somebody put something on Facebook about it, but yeah. I would love to see that. <laughs> But you even went, I mean, it was a boiling hot day and I'd had quite a lot to drink. Not like you. Not like me, yeah. But yeah, I even afterwards I was like, just wrestled with Lucy on the floor in front of a load of fans, a load of my friends. And then you went and asked the band, didn't you? You came back and gave me the update from the band. And they said, no, Super Tramp and not Prog. They did, that wasn't true. That was not true. (laughs) Mr. Rothery said they were prog. Hang on a minute. Ian, I need you for two seconds. <laughs> and yes, sorry, I was smoking in here. He's in his dressing gown, just dignity. It's not being filled. So well, here's a question. Do you ask Ian? All right. So, Evening, Ian. Morning. How are you? Ask him the question. Just a quick question. Yeah. Are Super Trump prog? Oh, I've never ever thought of that before, but I'd say probably yes. But they did have a knack of, um, you know, writing great hits, great tunes. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, they're, they're not uh, two minute uh, pop songs, are they? Not really. I mean, they can do them as well, but yeah. You say no. It, this goes back to 2003. I was just telling the listeners that 2003, you played the Acoustic Festival of... Acoustic, hello? The Acoustic Festival of Britain. And we didn't get paid. Is that the one? Oh, yeah, we didn't get paid for that either. Did you that's, not? No, that's another story. And um, Roger Hodgson of Supertramp was supporting. Yeah. And Meza... He, he didn't get paid either. No. And Meza turned around and said, oh, I think Supertramp are really prog. And I said no. And from nowhere, I leapt up from the table and wrestled him to the floor. And I hardly knew him at the time, but it was really important to me. So he was just reminding me that I'd said that. And then he said, I went and asked all the band. And the band, what did you say? They all said no. Well, definitely Rothers said that that Supertramp were prog. I couldn't remember whether Ian said they were or they weren't. But I think Pete... Pete agreed with you, Lucy. Well, that's shocking. There's only one way to sort it out. I'll put a poll on this on this episode and let everybody speak. Yes, put 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 that on. That would be great. I'm going to let Ian go back in the other room unless you've got another quick question for him. Go on, ask him. Ask him anything. My, my, anything. 
when I was with the Hackett band, Neil, my drum roadie, we were just about to start a tour. He said, Ian, I've got to, I've been offered a gig. And I said, well, what is it? He said, it's Supertramp tour, touring America. So I just said to him, well, do you need any help? Because, you know, he was, and he went off to did Supertramp, which is brilliant. What, and didn't do Merlion? No, that was Steve Hackett. That was Hackett, oh, Hackett yeah. Hackett, sorry. Yeah. And what then, was your last tour with Hackett, Ian? Um, oh, gosh. I can't remember. 1983, I suppose. Finished. Was that? Uh, I'm trying to think what album it was. Harley Strong. Does that sound right? Oh, it could have been Harley Strong, yeah. The first tour I did was Cured. Yeah, that's 81, I think, isn't it? Yeah, and
Saturday night of Port Zealand, which is now before it's dark, and then half of the Sunday night as the extras. And then next year we'll release the Friday night of Port Zealand with the other half of Sunday night as the extras. We decided we only wanted to do two releases rather than three um, for time reasons. Um, And also... um, they want to release it to retail. So retail didn't want a, you know... Big like, box set, yeah. Big box set. So it's being released to retail next April, I think. Um, so, yeah, we've got that. And they'll be doing it on vinyl and all that lot. We're just doing DVD, Blu-ray and CD. Um, and then we've got a, a rerun coming out of the Breaking Records Blu-ray that everyone oh, wanted. Um yeah. And then, obviously, can I do a little plug here? Sure. Uh, there's a Facebook group group called Stuff We Found on the Shelves, where we're selling off all the sort of stuff we found on the shelves, you know, where there's two or three copies of something, and we've got a copy in the library, so we don't need the two or three copies of whatever CD or a Blu-ray or, or there's some promo items and, and we're selling it all off on, on that Facebook page and that's going really well as well. You know, we're selling our leftover laminates from tours and stuff that we know fans want and, and we're doing it at prices that are way cheaper than people would be paying on eBay. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And is there something, is there supposed to be something else coming out? Strange Engine. Oh, this Strange Engine Deluxe Edition. Well, weirdly enough, tomorrow the band are recording the uh, documentary. They're filming the documentary oh, for it. And okay. what did you say, Ian? It's going to be a short one because you can't remember anything. Yeah, it's going to be really short. <laughs> I mean, we reflected about it today and that, everyone's going, oh, I can't really remember anything. So, Tim's really good. Tim, Tim will prompt their memories. Yeah. Hopefully, but if you just if you just say to Ian, "What do you remember?" He goes, oh, "I don't know." <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember one thing, and that was me and Mark writing the beginning of this strange engine, the instrumental part. Yeah, and um, well, it's not instrumental actually, it's, but it's in a weird time signature, just just the very beginning, and um, yeah, very very odd. But that's all I can remember. Yeah, so they're they're filming the documentary for that tomorrow. All the music's done. The artwork's almost done. Just waiting for the sleeve notes to come in. And then we'll send that all off. And I think Adele wants to release it, hear music, want to release it next June or July or something. Because we're not doing it with Warners. We're doing it, we've signed a deal for the the next sort of deluxe remasters with with Adele. Um, But they'll look exactly the same and be the same formats, you know, the 5.1 and the live gig and everything. So that's next year. Brilliant. Brilliant. Looking forward to that. Anything we else was there? Uh, can I, well, we, we reviewed Clutching at Straws Deluxe the other week, and I was re-watching the documentary, and everybody else in the band seemed to have had an awful time during Clutching at Straws. But Ian, you said you loved it. <laughs> you, 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 all you had was good memories of it. Yeah, I'm sure you're not thinking of Fugazi. 
Uh, no, we haven't reviewed Fugazi yet. But oh, no, that's, that's the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's next. Because oh, Fugazi, everybody was having a hard time. But I was, you know, the session bloke on it. And I was the third. I thought, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, touching at straws. No, I, th- I think the recording of it was good. It's, the writing was hard work. Yeah. I remember being yeah, going away for months down to that place in Brighton, and that was that was hard work. Um, That's my favourite Fish Era album. It is. It's a good. I think it's a really good. It's album. so good. Some good playing on it. My favourite, my um, the last straw. Really? Yeah. I never used to really like that. It's clutching its jaws. Yeah, I I'm still it was bit... drowning. Yeah, I thought it was a bit too pop. <laughs> bit too super Trump. Yeah, a bit too super Trump. At the time, I mean, now I'd listen to it and think it was really high energy, you know. Um, Don't start. It's not this oh, thing that everything's very ploddy. As they're getting older, everything's getting slower. Do you feel that? Well, I mean, there's, there's some really great songs, but... Uh, Sometimes I miss the kind of some of the more in between the eyes aggressive stuff. Um, yeah, you know, if it, it's a matter of balance, really, things like the things like the mad sec- section, you know, in Brave, and yeah. things that really accelerate up, and you go, "Whoa!" There's no arguing with it, and then you can go slump into something that's the softer song, you know. But if it's if every number is Half time four four and oh, the last album wasn't. I was going to say the BPM went up a little bit on an hour before it's dark. I mean, fear. I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, just yeah. put it all through AI and speed it up. <laughs> well, now before it's dark, that's, that has got really good energy in it. Actually, it has, and it's it's well it's a well balanced album as well. Yeah. So, so you're like this. We all three of us have got a different favourite song from an hour before it's dark. Mine is Care. John likes Crow and Nightingale, and Craig likes Sierra Leone. Oh wow! Yeah, Sierra Leone was uh, that was a that was a surprise to us actually that that people really like that one. And it's um it's been going down really well. But um, Marcus likes um. Reprogram the gene. My drum tech. Yeah, yeah. He says, "Oh, I really like that one." I didn't. Well, no, I did, but I didn't love it until I heard it live, and then I really enjoyed it. If I'm honest. <laughs> no, it's weird, isn't it? I've been. Re- I read loads of reviews this morning of TSE, just yeah. trying to jog my memory on stuff. So I went back. I was reading loads of reviews, and so many people didn't like it. I mean, they were just really. Oh yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of nice things said as well, but yeah. I mean people saying, well, well, you know, TSE's all right, really, a bit bitty. Estonia's were well, it's okay, you know, oh, yeah, sacrilege, you know. But everyone was in unison when it said hope for the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's a bit of fun. How does the remix sound? Of the album, not just hope for the future. Oh, really good. Yeah, yeah, really good. yeah. yeah really good. Yeah. Not different enough that you're going, uh, uh, but is it Mike again? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, like like it a lot. 
very good. Yeah, no, it's good. But it, but you know, TSE itself, that track now is it's kind of if we're having a hard time, we we can play TSE because it's our joker because it always goes down great. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it is a really good. It's really enjoyable to play. So it's it's just it's weird reading other people's sort of views on it on that album. But it was probably the same. It's probably the same for any artist that's had a, a big hit. I bet when Fleetwood Mac, because we watched that the other night. I bet when when Dreams came out, you if you Googled it, you'd find some reviews that go, "Oh, this isn't their best album," and it sold you know millions and billions of copies and is an absolute masterpiece. Oh, I don't know. People react. Uh, people write reviews react like that. Well, I remember doing a fan club gig at the Marquee in the 80s, and just after Kaylee became a massive hit. And they gave us a really hard time afterwards, went in and had a chat. Which oh, gig? The Misplaced Marquee gig? Yeah, we did. One the... where Fish's voice had gone. Uh, oh, it's hard to pin that down. Stop <laughs> <laughs> it. <laughs> Let me think. Jeffy already lost his voice. We have to cancel it. Was again. there for that as well, yeah. Yeah, I was there. The support band played, Jadis played, and then he wandered out. Instead yeah. of that scene. Yeah, I know. It's, it's tragic. It really was. But, um, to, be fair, to be fair, Ian, I had a better seat for the second, for the rearranged gig, so I was all right with it. <laughs> but the market, yeah, they gave me, me a really hard time, a few of the fans. Oh, you've sold out, you know. Really? Yeah. And I was sorry for having a successful album, you know, but. Because to to us it was kind of well it means we can put more production in we could do better bigger shows and but no we'd sold out. I remember I remember being so excited here inside one of misplaced on the eighty four farewell to eighty four dates. You just felt that the band were going somewhere with it. It was brilliant. Such yeah. an exciting time. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I concur. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're brilliant. I hope I meet them one day. <laughs> I do. You went, yeah, took that too far, didn't you? I know. Seriously, I made friends that I went to college with, and they're you know they're just like, so what? What did you end up doing? You know, for a living? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm working in the music industry, and hope they don't ask any more questions. And they go, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a manager of a band. Oh, what band? Oh, Marillion. Marillion. It's not that band you loved at college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you married? Yeah. Oh, what's your husband do? Oh, God, he's a musician. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that's not, that makes me sound like the world's worst groupie, and that's not how it all happened. Tart. <laughs> I was just about to say I fell in love in the office and but I'm changing my mind. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Look, thank you very much for tonight. It's been great. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Ian, for, for putting your head in as well. Oh, you're welcome. Um, well he didn't really have any choice, did he? I dragged him in. Yeah. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> thank you right, I'll go oh, no no thanks very much thanks a lot yeah I'll go and put my pyjamas on and then it's master chef time because Darren interrupted texting about uncooked lamb 
<laughs> it's really, it's really rock and roll here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At home with the Mosleys. <laughs> yeah. Half yeah. chef in our pajamas. And did you just call me a Mosley? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. She got <laughs> right off. When we got married, I had to, Ian was married a couple of times before he settled on me. And uh, the day we got married, I uh, changed out my wedding dress into a T-shirt that said Mrs. Mosley across the chest. And my hand was here which is on my hip for anyone, because this isn't, obviously you can't see this. And I lifted it off and it just said the third. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only time I've been Mrs. Mosley. All right. That's all right. Sarah's the same. She kept her maiden name because she's a doctor. So when we got married, she kept her maiden name. Well, I've just, I've been Lucy Jordash my whole life. I didn't want to become Lucy Mosley. That'd be weird. No, it's not as nice a name, is it? And when we got married as well, one of his ex-wives was still Mrs. Mosley. She still is. And his mum was still alive and she was Mrs. Mosley. So, no. There there is something in that at home with the Mosleys, though. That would do for Marillion Monthly. (laughs) It it didn't do the Osbournes any harm, did it? (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> or even just call it, is it bin day tomorrow? I ah. I just remembered one more rant. Somebody compared me, and they meant it as a compliment. They were comparing me to Sharon Osborne. Oh, no. And she is the worst human being I can possibly think of. So to be, well, apart from Hitler and, you know, a lot Good. of that. Um, to be compared to her just because she's a s- strong woman and a band manager, I found very insulting. But I I have to watch what I say on Facebook because I can't tell people to fuck off. Well, you, um, can. you can't just put a smiley face on the end of it. In fact, you can say it now if you want. A, I'll be banned from Facebook, which has happened quite a few times because I call people a twat or whatever. And B, I can't be rude to the fans because they take it as coming from the band and they you know I've been rude to people before and they've said that's it I'm not going to like the band anymore because the manager was rude to me I was I was listening to a program myself about podcasts and they do this podcast which is like damage limitations and it's from the ex-editor of the sun and the queen's personal PR (laughs) and they were just talking about the subject matter usually is the, the PR is what to do in a crisis. You know, someone with a lot of power might say something. And like one of the, their examples was Ratner, the jeweller. Yeah, yeah. And he said his mistake was you, he always had a sense of humour, apparently. And at private parties and stuff, he'd always be taking the piss out of himself and his business. But he did it in the wrong place. And you should never talk down to your fans. Oh, never. Um, um, he never, ever recovered from it. And that no, was on the internet. But that's why... it went viral. But, you know. Exactly. But that's why when H... I always listen to what H says on podcasts and interviews and stuff because someone will pick it up and I'll have to defend him. Because, right. like, when he's on the stage in Liverpool and he says things about... Make sure your hubcaps aren't nicked and stuff like that. Apologies to anyone from Liverpool that's listening. He'll be saying it because he's just been talking to the 
to to one of the you know engineers at the show who's from Liverpool who's made the same joke yeah. but you're allowed to make it if you're a Liverpudlian you're not allowed to make it if you're not and sometimes H does things like that or any member of the band will say something and I'll just if in fact if I'm with my friends they'll just turn around and look at me and they'll go and they'll just see me with my hand, head in my hands because they know that the next day I've got to come in with... You've got to deal with it, yeah. I've got to go, he didn't mean it like that. This is what he said. He wasn't insulting anyone, you know. <laughs> Does that mean you're up to date with the Corona Diaries, with the notes, the things you've got to defend then? <laughs> <laughs> or did you, you, if you listen to the Corona Diaries, you'll hear Ant always saying, yeah. are we allowed to say that, H? Because otherwise Lucy's going to phone me up and start shouting at me because <laughs> a couple of times I've sent him a message and gone you shouldn't have really said that could you correct it next week or whatever they should always say allegedly right they don't have I got news yeah. for you yeah, yeah allegedly <laughs> yeah exactly so that's a part of my job that I find difficult to always be nice and then also as you know because you know me well I've got a very sarcastic sense of humor and sometimes I'll say something to someone and and they everyone else just that person will get it because they know me but everyone else will be oh Lucy's just really rude to that guy why was she just rude but it's a private joke that we've got between us or whatever so I, I do have to be careful and that's sometimes hard for me <laughs> and on that note <laughs> on that bombshell yeah we've all upset people online but yeah that, that's life isn't it look oh, thank you very much thanks very much for your time tonight it's been lovely to speak to you both pleasure and uh get your get your pjs on is it master chef did you say Masterchef, yeah okay <laughs> bake off bake off's being recorded oh god it didn't pick it up it didn't pick up again yeah Bloody Sky TV. I'm a bit fed up with cakes and stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm going now. Bye, everyone. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye. 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 Well, that was eventful, wasn't it, listeners? <laughs> um, oh, you've got to love them. Absolutely. We want to thank Lucy and Ian, guest appearance by Ian, for their time. Uh, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, or email us at planetmarzipanpodcast at gmail.com. And what's the Twitter stroke X account called, John? I don't know. I haven't learned it since last time. What is it? <laughs> I'm the same. I forgot already. <laughs> As a prize, if you can figure out the Twitter handle. <laughs> No, thanks very much for listening. And it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Take care. And stay alive. Oh, jeez. Thanks for listening to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Please like and subscribe from whichever platform you get your podcasts from. You can contact us at planetmarzipanpodcast at gmail.com and check out marillion.com, fishmusic.scot or fishmusic.eu for all the good stuff.